Welcome to Royal Table Talk. My name is Latoya Conway Hampton and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining in yet again to get the information that we're going to provide for you as a result of my process through the child welfare system. So as a result of child welfare, I've been able to come back years later after making changes in my life, regaining custody of my children and doing all the things that I needed to do. And I wanted to make sure that I use that information to not only support me, but to support others that follow. So today's conversation is, uh, is about um, the investigation process. As a birth parent that navigated through child welfare, my presentation is, is informational. It's intended to provide the parents or anyone else that's interested in this general information about the child welfare and the dependency court. I have spent the last two decades changing and supporting child welfare as they work with the families. Um, I've been in different perspectives. I've been a birth parent, a community liaison, a national child welfare reform trainer and consultant, a city culture broker, as well as a legal guardian. I have experienced it all. Through the last 20 years, I have more specific information. I'm not a qualified attorney, but I am a parent who's, who really specialize in navigating through that system, helping you to regain custody of your children sooner and faster. So today's conversation, how can you get your child through the child welfare system faster? So as a mother, the kids are in foster care and um, there is a process that we talked about um, in a previous episode. And this particular process, uh, what happens during the investigation stage? An emergency response worker will visit your home within five days, determine to whether if your child can stay home with you or if the child has to be in a, in a foster care. However, if it's not possible for DCFS, um, in a partnership with the parent to make a temporary arrangements, then they probably will end up with the foster care parent. Sometimes they can go with family and friends. And I know you don't want to set aside like, just in case something happens, my family can get my child. I want to say this. If your family comes in the attention of the child welfare, please be mindful that if you have family or friends, as soon as you find out about child welfare being involved, then start to identify this family, that family, can this family support me? Can that family member support me? Please don't forget dad's family, okay? Majority of the times when cases are involved, the mothers leave out dad's family. Okay, dad have a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, an aunt, and an auntie. Those are all family members of the child. And so instead of having the kids having to go into a foster home, out of care placement um, with strangers, they can go out of care placement with family, okay? If they de determine that it has to be done immediately and you're not able to do something, that is called an emergency removal, okay? Now, Next thing I want to talk about is once the kids are removed, there is about 30 days. There's an investigation stage, right? Where the social worker is gathering information. They, they try to, um, not they try to, they interview family, friends, neighbors, 
They also come in your house, interview the kids, interview you. They interview all parties involved. And what they do is take that information as an assessment to assess if the child is safe or not. Okay, that's what they do during that 30 days or less to determine what the next steps are, okay? If the investigation, so there's three different types of, uh, um, it's unfounded, founded, and, um, oh Lord, I'm losing my, my thought. Let me, let me stop, let me start right here. So if the investigation is unfounded, if there is no credible evidence of mistreatment, neglect, or found, um, they choose at that point in time, just maybe to provide the family with some community services, you know, maybe have somebody in the community like a two lifestyles um to help a mother if she needs to be um supported but then if everything is okay and the family is safe at that point they can then close out the case well let's talk if they find some information that's the truth, like if there's evidence that the child has been abused uh, or neglected, and let's talk about those things. We're gonna cover it more in depth, but I wanna briefly um, br uh, breeze through this. I wanna talk about the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, the um, medical neglect, not making sure that those kids get the doctor's appointments, dental, vision, and their educational needs. Or maybe you're living in the home and you're unable to feed the child. There are so many supportive services out in the community, but I think so many times as parents, we want to just do it on our own. And if, if, if they find that at this point, this child is in danger, then they filed a petition at the court and then they have a determination if the allegations that that very first phone call is the truth or not, then they move forward. So even though they move forward, child welfare got jurisdiction, they determined that, okay, mom or dad did something wrong, you still can maintain your parental rights. And remember in the last episode, we talked about those parental rights. Even if the case is open, you still have educational rights and you still have medical rights unless the judge, um, excuse me, unless the department had petitioned the judge to get that legal guardianship over the child, okay? At that point, the case probably fall into two different categories. Um, it's family maintenance. If your child remains in the home with you, parents, you may be ordered and you know, some court order services, parenting, anger management, domestic violence, sexual assault, mental health evaluation. Uh, maybe you need support in budgeting. And, and, I, and I have to tell you this, in the original process of the investigation, we're upset we're pissed, we're angry. And if you're not upset when the department come by and, and, and a, in a certain perspective, it's like, okay, mom had no response. Dad had no response. I don't know about you, but they call me mama bear for a reason. If something is going on with my children, I get this energy inside of me that I don't know where it comes from. It's so different when you become parents. And so you gotta be really mindful of how you communicate when they come out for that investigation because somewhere, you can be perceived as an angry person and that buzz language follows you throughout your case, right? So it's like, okay, well, we went to this house and this family was very aggressive. They was non-compliance, they was unengaged. All of these buzzwords 
causes your process sometimes to be longer. I would encourage you, once they come out and do the investigation, be open and honest up front, right? Just be open and honest up front. And, and, and here's the thing, you will feel violated. You will feel embarrassed. You will feel frustrated. I can remember when they started the process, when they did, when they detained my children, I tried to go all the way home to pick up the other children from school before they, you know, went and picked them up. And when I went to the school, they said, they put me to the side. They said, well, I need you to come here, Miss Conway. I, I just want you to know that the department picked the children up this morning. And if there's anything we can do to support you, we will help you. But I was definitely in a crisis mode. I was upset and I was angry. And when they uh, detained them at the department, they called two security guards because mama was crazy. I didn't act out. I did not act a fool. But when they grabbed hold to my baby to d investigate, and that's the embarrassing part. Now you're looking at his diaper, you're looking at his bottom, you, you're doing all of these things that make me feel like I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. Don't take it that way. Take it as if they're doing their jobs to make sure that you can maintain custody of your child. If you look at it that way, it don't feel, I don't, I felt violated. I did. Who are you to come and tell me I can't have my child? That's how I really felt. So I just really want to touch on that because if you're having family maintenance or family reunification, excuse me, if you are having family maintenance or family reunification, you want to make sure that you start in the very beginning building a relationship with that investigative worker. Now that worker won't be around for the whole life of the case. If that worker comes in and they're doing investigation and they're assessing and they're doing all the things they need to do, that's in the ER unit. After the ER does the initial process, figuring out what's going on or not, then it's transferred over to what they call a case carrying worker, which is the one that's gonna help you with reunification or, or maintenance. So the maintenance mean the kids are in a the home. They're gonna help you maintain that stability in your home. Prevention services, all those things are, are, are available for you. But when it's family reunification, that means they want you to reunite together as a family. And again, we talked about this last week. Those services is about 18 months to where they supporting you with transportation if needed, mileage if needed, you know, different services that you may not be able to provide for yourself. Those services are available. But a lot of times we waste our reunification time because we're in crisis. I'm not saying it don't hurt. I'm not saying not to go uh, deep within and kind of process what's going on. But what I am saying is don't waste precious, valuable time. Get started right off the back. I've watched families reunify in six months. <coughs> Excuse me. And then another six months until the case is closed because then they have to, you know, I um, observe you being reunified. So again, the family reunification, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a process. <clears throat> you have the right to talk to your social worker, your attorney. And as I've been talking, there is a very, <coughs> excuse me. There is a very unique group of people. It's called parent partners. And these parent partners are birth parents that navigated through the system like myself that come back and make sure you are armed with facts information and a process that can get your babies home sooner, faster, quicker, or to also remain, have them to remain home. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
<clears throat> okay. So let's talk a little bit about, <coughs> excuse me, some of the outcomes. So there are three possible outcomes from the allegations. So say for instance, <coughs> excuse me, say for instance, child welfare come in and the, and the allegation is mom, don't feed the kids, right? Mom, don't feed the kids. They're hungry all the time. Every time you see them, they're hungry. So the investigation process is again, can be up to 30 days or less with the department's investigation worker, which is from the ER. So you have an ER worker show up at your house and she might just pop in unannounced, right? They don't have to call you and say, I'm coming because if they do that, you're, you're not going to be in your, in your environment. You're going to be on edge. Everything is going to be put together because you know, they're coming. So they do what they call an unannounced visits and a few of them, probably several throughout the life of the case during your unannounced visit. Um, they're going to check things that make you uncomfortable. They're going to check the temperature of your water heater to make sure that it's not too hot where the kid can get burnt. They're going to check any locked cabinet, file, room, or drawer. Okay, leave it there. They're going to also, um, your refrigerator, they want to make sure the stove is working, the refrigerator is working. Of course, if the lights is on, they won't have to flish the, um, check the lights off and on. But then they're going to go in every single room in your house. It feels uncomfortable. You feel violated. Look at it this way. If they need to go through every room in my house in order for me to keep my kid, baby, go for it. Do whatever you need to do so my babies can stay home, okay? So you have to let down your guard because I know it's embarrassing. Been there, done that. Then they go around outside, making sure, well, inside the house, making sure that there's latches on cabinets, there's plugs and holes. Um, it depends on the age of the child. Sometimes you have to have a fire extinguisher in the home. All of these things that they're, they're looking for for the safety of the child, making sure there's no low mop buckets set around, you know, around in the kitchen or just mop buckets, period, because the baby can lean over or a two-year-old can lean over and then fall in a bucket and can't get up and drown, okay? Um, making sure there's no nails poking out of certain um, things in the house. They're looking, they're trained to look for these things, right? You may not pay attention to them, but they're trained to do so, um, rightfully so, because the safety of your child and my child is very important to us. And sometimes we can't tell that they're in danger until somebody else walking our life and say, hey, what about that? Hey, what about that? And then they go outside and they look around your home the outside of your house to make sure that there's no uh, hazardous waste outside um, to make sure if you have a pool, uh, I have a pool at my house. And um, one of the things was I have a latch on it, but I didn't have a lock on it. And they wanted to make sure that I had a lock on it. So all of these things are something that happens during the investigation and, and you feel violated. I'm like, well, dang, is she gonna go through every crack of my house? Absolutely, just breathe. Think about it, it's for the safety of your child. And sometimes we overlook these things, right? So you wanna be mindful. So the three possible outcomes is unfounded. So remember this scenario was, I'm not feeding my kids, they're always hungry. They come in my house and their thought is they're looking at all of these things that I just mentioned 
as well as they want you to open the pantry they want you to open the refrigerator they want you to open the freezer so in my house i have a pantry that's in the hallway then i have a pantry in the kitchen and then i have an overflow where pots and pans should go and then i have the counter because i have a lot of kids and then i have a refrigerator uh, a, a two-sided refrigerator a upright freezer and then a chest freezer in a garage so i have a lot of space for food because i had a humongous family and so anytime i come into the, in the department and under the investigation of the department my first thing is is here here you go here's everything because they want to make sure that the kids are eating okay so they come in and they see all of this food and sometimes you could be right getting ready to prepare dinner well, if the allegation says parents are not feeding the kids, then they come in. That's unfounded. That was an allegation. Parents are not feeding kids. Kids hungry out of time. Maybe neglect to provide nutrients to a child. Well, if they come in and that's not the case, then that's considered unfounded. It's not the truth. Now, inconclusive, same scenario. They come out to my house and I have a lot of food and the kids look like they're malnutrition, like they're not getting enough. You can tell they're eating because it's food in the house, but maybe, I don't know, these kids are really frail, right? Well, I'm a thin woman. Well, I used to be. <laughs> Jokes on me. Um, I used to be a really thin woman and my children were all small framed when they were younger. And so at some point when we go to the doctor, they will be underweight, not because I didn't feed them because they're small framed kids based on the average count. They didn't meet that criteria. So it could have been inconclusive. Now is mom not feeding them or are they just actually thin? They don't know whether it's the truth or not. Are these just small kids? That could be something that can be perceived as inclusive and substantiated. They come to my house. Absolutely. There's no food in the house. The kids are sitting around looking. All you see is their bones and everything. That means it's substantiated. What they came in my house for is the truth. So those are the three unfounded, inconclusive, substantiated. Okay. So know that. So I want to give you a few tips today about the investigation process. Please, 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 please be open and honest up front. Now, it's hard because we feel violated. Um, we're afraid. You don't know what to say. You don't know if you say something is going to be used against you. Um, you don't know any of those things. And I have to tell you, uh, what you say in the investigation will be in your court report. And um, good, bad, or indifferent. But I, I definitely want to encourage you to be mindful that this is not a really... Um, about how you feel. It's about what can we do to keep our children home? Every single time those kids are removed from you, placed with family or strangers, there is a level of uh, resentment, abandonment, rejection that they have to live with. Well, why my mama didn't want me? Why my daddy didn't want me? You don't want that. You don't want your kids to grow up with that or you get them back and then you have to work really toward building self-esteem, self-worth and all of these things because you don't know what happened. Whether they were grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle or a stranger, it's nothing like being at home with the parents. And so if you could get through this process sooner, faster, quicker, be honest upfront, ask for the services you need. It's nothing wrong with not being able to um, maintain as long as you're asking for help because no one's perfect. But if you're sitting around and those kids are being abused or neglected, 
or rejected or abandoned, then that means that you're not fit to care for them right now. It does not mean forever. And remember, we talked about legal guardianship um, versus adoption. If right now in your life, you're not fit because you maybe have your own level of things that you need to work through, you're not fit to care for your children um, and someone else is, then talk to them about legal guardianship. And then when you pull things together in your life, you can go back at that point and get your children. Okay. So the next one, very important. It's important that once your case closed, whether they close it initially or the, the judge can give you your kids back any place in that process. Every court day is a day that you need to have hope. Don't expect nothing, but have hope. Just always take hope and faith with you because the judge can say at this point, we're returning these kids home to the parents. H-O-P, home of parents, okay? But I wanna say, make sure you ask your social worker, how would this interaction with you be identified on my record? Let's go a little deeper. So, when you come involved with the child welfare system, um, and especially when they're severe, 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 we're going to talk about severe neglect, all of those things. We're going to break it down as best as I possibly can to help you navigate. Again, I am a, a person who survived the system, but I've also worked as a consultant. So I have a little bit of information that could support you through the process to help you understand and grasp your rights, your responsibilities, what you can do, the chain of command. There's so much that you can do to bring your process sooner, faster, quicker, but you got to get help for whatever areas that you need support for. Don't rush to get your case closed and not do what you need to do because if you're not changing, then you get your case closed. As soon as you get them reunified, you can get them detained again. I've watched that happen throughout the years. So you wanna know how would this end up on your, on your record? And you ask them before it closes out. So if you know you're getting your kids back to court, from court and, and they say, okay, home of parent. Then you say, how would this, how would this affect my life? Okay, so my children were detained. I was considered the non-offending parent. However, I was charged with failure to protect. Based on my relationship that I was in and, and I was not, um, I was participating in it. So I'm, it's not all him. It was me as well. I stayed, we abused the crap out of each other. And because of that, the kids were detained. And so, but I was considered the non-offending parent. It was because they felt like he was abusing me and that I was not protecting my children. And so I am still able to work for the department if I wanted to. I'm still able to go into jails, prisons, and youth schools and camps because I was a non-offending parent. Sometimes, if you are considered the offending parent, sometimes you won't qualify for any of those things. And it's very important that you know where you stand with the department. However, when I got ready to adopt my uh, not adopt, excuse me. When I got ready to get legal guardianship of my grandchildren, they went back to every single referral that I ever had. And I didn't even know that I had some of the referrals. Some of your referrals is just phone calls. Say for instance, you got somebody down the street calling and, and, and the sad thing is people do it when they mad at you, you know, wrong. It's the wrong reason to call the department. You call the department when you feel like the kids are in danger or their safety, you know, if their needs are not being met. Um, but they was like, well, you got to call for this and call. I'd never heard of it, never had an investigation, any of that. But it stopped at the hotline. 
but that still meant that somebody made allegations against you. It stopped at the hotline because they kind of weed out stuff that don't make sense there, but it's still in the record. It's still there. And so when I got ready to adopt my, uh, I keep saying adopt, please uh, forgive me. When I got ready to do legal guardianship for my grandkids, they pulled up every single phone call, stuff that came from the school, the stuff that came from the therapist, all of these different uh, processes that I had no clue about. I was familiar for about maybe three or four referrals. I knew about that, but um, I had no clue about the rest. So find out before they close you out completely what does my record look like? What would this look like for me for my career? Because certain jobs will not hire you if you've ever been um, considered neglectful, uh, severe neglectful, uh, abusive, all these things to your children with the department. And then the next one, document everything. When you're, when you're in an investigation stage, you're gonna have social workers, investigators, um, investigators, let me see, county council uh, assistants. So you have all of these people coming to your house and in your mind, they're all just DCFS, but that's not the truth. There's the kids' attorneys that's asking questions, the kids' attorneys, whoever's supporting them. So when they show up to your house, ask for a business card. Could you give me a business card? Flip that business card over and write the date on the back of that business card. So you'll know who these people are and when they showed up to your house. Second thing I wanna say, make sure, and, and, and I'm not saying make a career of you know, engaging with child welfare, but you wanna know what you're talking about early on. Because if I had, um, what was my attorney, Mr. Rinker something, and then he had Jennifer coming to my house. I didn't know Jennifer was connected to Mr. Rinker. So when I would go to court, I was like, well, Jennifer came. They was like, you see your attorney? No, well, Mr. Rinker, I don't know who Mr. Rinker is. Well, he sent Jennifer and she reported to him. So you have to start jotting that stuff down and knowing what's going on with your family. So, you have been given a beautiful gift, which are your children. And sometimes in our life, we make mistakes. I wanna encourage you to forgive yourself for those mistakes after you work through the core of what started it, why, 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 right? Three levels of why, why it happened, why did I do it? Why did I do it and how did I do it? All of those things is, is the deep root of who you are as a parent. But I, I need you to forgive yourself and not feel like you're a piece of crap because I did. Have you ever felt like people come in your life and tell you that you're not a good parent and you suck and you should do this and you should do that? I felt the same way. And because the treatment that I received going through the process of child welfare, I did not agree with it because the treatment was not equal. There was no equality in the treatment that I received in the process. And so I, I have spent the last two decades making changes with how the department work. And then the last more six, the last six years working with the families, empowering them on policies, practice and procedures on how to get their kids through the system sooner, faster, quicker. So whether you're looking at this on the replay, whether you're looking at it live, please subscribe to our page. Please ask questions. If you want to have a consultation with me, I don't have a problem with supporting you through this process. It's hard and it's heavy. 
but you can do it. Your children are depending on you to get through this process. I can remember when my children was detained and the social worker asked my oldest daughter to come and the social worker reached for her and she moved her arm back and she turned around and looked at me. I never, I never forget it. And I said, baby, go ahead. You'll be back. She didn't come back for the next 14 months, but I was determined every leap they told me to do, every program, every class, every appointment they told me to do, I was determined to do it. And because of that, I'm here to help you to do the same thing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like our page, share our page. My name is Latoya Conway Hampton, and I am your host.